Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away. Whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoyling. DeCam says, give me that. A pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way. Bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around. Corner, pocket, cash for Lund. Guess who's back, 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 back again. They are one of the surprises so far this season in the UMAC. A hot start for the University of Minnesota Morris Cougars men's basketball program. And we are so pleased to welcome in head coach of that squad, Paul Grove. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, fellas. I really appreciate it. So I'm going to jump right into it, and we're going to touch on you know a couple different things during this conversation. But if I were to take you back to where you were at near the end of non-conference play, and you had a chunk of games under your belt, and you're learning things about your team, but I mean, you know it better than any coach with how long you've been around the block. You want to start to get things together and get things squared away for when UMAC play starts. If I were to tell you that you would have gone three for three in road games at Northwestern, at Crown College, and at North Central, and you would do it in the fashion that you guys have, I mean, what would you say to that? Because clearly every coach believes in their team and believes in the opportunity to do that. But with the way that it's happened, how would you summarize what you maybe felt about your team in November versus where we're at now, second week of January? Yeah, well, first of all, I would have taken that in any fashion you'd have given me. yeah, those, those preseason games are tough. I mean, it seems like one day we're up, the next day we're down. Um, I thought we played great at Mayville State. We ended up losing. Um, got a couple of huge uh, non-conference wins against the against the Mayak, which certainly gave us hope, you know, that maybe we uh, maybe we were a lot better than we were last year and, and can get things going. Um, then we kind of stumbled towards the end of non-conference with the game with presentations at home. And then we start looking at those the conference schedule, and we're playing against three of the top teams right out of the gate, all of them on the road. Um, plus, we had that three-week break in between games. You know, after that last game at Northwestern in, in December, um, my sister and I looked at each other. It's like, man, I wish we played again next weekend, <laughs> just because we just did not want to stop playing basketball. And then, then there's this big three-week three week break. Uh, plus, we were supposed to play on Tuesday of this week, or last week, before the Crown game, and that one got uh, postponed because of the blizzard. So it was kind of a long break in between. So I didn't know what to expect coming back again. But yeah, if you'd have if you'd have told me three and zero at that time, we'd have jumped all over it. Say, Coach, I'm actually going to take it even further back. When I first talked to a coach, I like to know why they got into coaching and, you know, just kind of their path to get to where they're at now. So walk us through a little bit, I guess, of your coaching history to get to where you are now. And did you always know you wanted to be a head coach in uh, college basketball or just basketball in general? How did it come about? Um, No, actually, I was a high school social studies teacher for a year out of college, um, and that was... That was after my first coaching was at Gustavus as the JV coach for one year, um, and I liked it, but it's not like it it pulled me in or anything. And then I went and got my teaching job. I did that for a little while as a high school social studies teacher, 
Um, and I did not coach. I had no intention of coaching at the high school level. Um, and then as you know, things happen, um, my wife had to move to Sioux Falls. So we took off there and I ended up at Augustana working as a part-time person in their recreation department. Um, they asked me if I could stick around if I, you know, if I wanted to get my master's and join that program. So I did. And as I was there is like, you know, now that I got that master's, um, I've got a chance at some, some basketball, college basketball. And that just sounded at that point, so much, so much more intriguing. Uh, and I'm not, I wish I could give you an answer of what changed. I have no idea. Um, but I'm sure glad it happened that way. So I got my master's there. We ended up moving to Minneapolis. I was an assistant coach at Normandale Community College. That was my first real paid job. Uh, not much paid, I'll tell you that. But And then I was the head coach there the following season. I think I was maybe 27 years old when I got that job. Um, so, yeah, I was a head coach at a, at a community college. Uh, my wife had a great job there. We thought we were set, and that's exactly when Normandale um, canceled the entire athletic program. So it was a kind of a rough start uh, to a coaching career when you finally get that big job, that big break, and then um, – the very next day it was gone. So that was kind of rough, but I stuck with it. Ended up at Mayville State for five years after that. Um, Tim, my brother Tim, was actually on my staff at that point. We So we coached together a couple years there. Uh, spent five great years there, and then it was on to Morris, and I've been here for uh, 21. Appreciate you walking us through that journey, Coach, and we'll uh, maybe yeah. circle back in, in a little bit about your brother, Tim, and how unique that is with, you know, both of you guys being head coaches at a program that's uh, something you really don't see anywhere, really. But where I wanted to go to next, again, circling back to what we've seen so far this season and getting ready for conference play, and then, you know, we've talked about winning those three road games at, you know, for those people who don't know, those three, Northwestern, North Central, and Crown, were the one, two, and three seeds last year in the UMAC Conference Tournament. So just to underscore how big of wins those are, when you look at this group as a whole coach, there's some returners from last year's squad, and White and I talked about it throughout the season. It seems like for the last chunk of years, you guys can get going up and down, and you can really score with teams and go back and forth and get some shooters that really can put you up there and have you competing but sometimes it feels like defensively it's not on the same level well you've shown you know holding a north central offense that can be really potent on the road to under 60 and then winning a game where you score over 90 at northwestern and then going on the road at crown and holding them to 65 you can win in multiple ways is what i'm trying to say what has made this group unique with those returners but then also young guys like you got a starting freshman point guard in blake munson who's been really big in spots on the road I mean I can speak specifically to seeing him in person at Northwestern and then you got other guys who are back and a D2 transfer Noah Conagieser I'll quit dropping names what has made this group unique and successful at least to this point so far well first of all you very politely said we are awful at defense and you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to sugarcoat it we we have been awful um we just we just couldn't get the job done at all defensively last year um, and it wasn't for a lack of effort or trying or anything like that. We just, I, we, every seemed like every break went against us. Uh, this year, we really did change a lot of things up defensively. We're throwing in that zone, um, and we're playing zone way more than I ever have as a head coach. I've been a man-to-man -man guy for most of my time. 
Um, my assistant Taylor Holloman that does a really, really good job of breaking that down and teaching it. Um, and we're, we're learning it as we go. And it's kind of fun that way. The guys know it. Um, we're, we're tweaking it as we go. But as you know, when something starts working, uh, even just a little bit, and, and the guys buy into it, it's great for our team. The guys are really buying into that zone. Um, I think we're getting a better feel of, of when we should get out of it and go man-to-man because we're playing man-to-man at least some every game. And I think our man-to-man, um, we've just played really well at the end of that Northwestern game with it. So it's one of those deals where Taylor and I looked at each other in the offseason and said we just cannot – um, do the same thing we did defensively last year. We have to mix things up. Uh, so we tweaked a few things in our man-to-man, but we really changed things up with that zone. And like I said, the guys have bought into it. They really like it. Um, when we're scrimmaging and we just let them kind of pick their own defense, they jump into that zone a lot. Uh, they believe in it. And, you know, with three wins under our belt in the UMAC against some very, very great offensive coaches, offensive players, offensive teams, um, that really speaks to how, how well we're playing right now, how much we're buying into it. Uh, we just went on Synergy today and was checking our defensive stats and, and, and kind of checking them against last year, and we we're very pleased where we are right now. Say, so, hey, Coach, me and Ryan, we've both been watching UMAC basketball for a while. My brother actually played at Northwestern for four years, and you, uh, you brought your team uh, into the Erickson Center in, in a championship game that one time when he was there, so I watched that game. Are okay. there similarities, similarities with this year's team with that year's team? Because, I mean, you had some uh, elite players uh, on that team. Uh, C.D. Douglas was an elite scorer, and, I mean, you had some guys. Do, do you see similarities with this group? And then that team that made the UMAC championship, and and are there similarities that will help you maybe get back to that point this year as well? Uh, I think offensively there are. We had a pretty nice mix that year of inside out, and, and we do that um, again this year. I mean, you've mentioned some of the guard play we've got, and it's been great. Um, but we've been getting really good play pretty much out of everybody right now, including our bench guys, which I think is – one of the other big reasons we're uh, sitting where we are right now, our bench is playing outstanding. But yeah, I think those are the two things. Uh, but I do think this team is going to be better defensively than that one. Uh, we scored a ton of points there, but we also gave up plenty. And I'm just, the effort we're getting on the defensive end right now, and, you know, it's the fact that you guys, are, that's the first thing you brought up. Um, you know, that's kind of the first thing I bring up also when I'm talking about my team right now. I think defensively, and as you guys know, that defense travels. Mm-hmm. And defense sticks with you all season. And, you know, people that watch March Madness know that those 80, 90-point games during the season are coming down to 65 and 70 in, in playoffs. So I think if we can keep this trajectory going, um, our defense is going to serve us well come the end of February. A lot of great stuff there, Coach, and I was going to maybe save this one till a little later, but now that we're on the topic of players, and you mentioned that it's been much more than the starting five, and it's been what you guys have gotten off the bench as well. There's a name I want to ask you about because I was so impressed and honestly knew next to nothing about him coming into the matchup, watching you guys in person in that second UMAC game at Northwestern. Kenny Placide is the guy I want you to talk about. So he's a junior, for people don't know, out of Florida. And, you know, Northwestern has been known at being really, really good on the glass and making it tough in the paint for the last multiple years. But you guys found a way to make a lot of plays, get second chances. And there was a couple moments in that game 
where he grabs the ball underneath the basket, wins a rebound battle with Henry Fambula for Northwestern, and then midair spins around and throws a missile to, I think one of them is Jarrett Johnson, if I'm remembering correctly, for a lay-in, and a couple other ones where he's you know, jumping out of his shoes and out jumping all the Northwestern guys to get the ball. And he just has, you know, more in him. I don't know how to describe it specifically, but I I was fascinated watching him because he's a guy that a lot of UMAC people watching may not know, okay, who is this guy and why is he worth us scouting against when he's coming off the bench? But I think guys like him prove to show what you have this year at Morris is much different with what you've talked about with defensively and the buy-in that guys have had could you share a little bit more and enlighten me about maybe a little bit of the story of uh, Kenny Placide and what he's done for you guys? Yeah, Kenny was a junior college kid. His his coach called me up after the season last year. Um, and believe it or not, I mean, if you guys watch him play, I can't imagine, you know, what you think his personality is like because he is just so big and strong out there. But he is the quietest kid ever. And, and talking to him on, on a recruiting call was almost impossible. He's just so quiet, so reserved. Um, really, really nice kid. But we were we had no idea what to expect, really, when when he decided to come here. Uh, he's from Florida, um, so at any point, I'm just picturing him packing up his bags and leaving, saying, "This is ridiculous," you know, marching through the snow and, and the cold. But um, as far as Kenny on the court. He made a play, and it may be the one you're talking about. I'm not sure. Um, Taylor, my assistant, hit me and said, when's the last time we had a player that could do that? And I don't know <laughs> if we really ever have. Um, he's so he, – he his jump is so quick. I mean, he's just on the floor, and then the next thing you know, he's above everybody else. Um, I think he – we think he's six for six on saving balls out of bounds and finding the teammate for a shot. Um, and I think with, we maybe had two or three of those at Northwestern that day. So not only is he making that play, but he's finding the open teammate um, who are hitting those shots. And, and he's he's an unbelievable teammate. And he's like he's one of those guys that could come to me and say, Coach, why am I not starting? Um, he never would, and neither would any of our other guys. But he's having one of those seasons. And to have somebody like that coming off the bench – um, again, it's just it's one of those reasons we're sitting where we are right now. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. There's there's no question a lot of depth this year for you. Say, this is just kind of a fun question because we've talked to your brother about this one. you got a massive gym there at Morris. So uh, do, do you enjoy seeing the massive gym? Do you think you can get that thing filled up ever here at some point? Because there's so many seats in that place. What's it like <laughs> playing there, I guess? <laughs> um, no, it is, Matt. I mean, it's, it's a gym that holds 5,000 people on a on a on a uh, campus with less than a thousand students so it's just you know the proportions are just ridiculous it's not it's not a umac gym it's not even a myac gym it's you know it's it's a a division two gym at least and there's d1 gym smaller than this you know smaller than ours so it would be nice uh, on game nights because we have plenty of people it's just they're they're just so spread out um I think there are, and Northwestern's a great example of a probably a perfect size for a UMAC gym. But yeah, ours is really big. And now I'm not going to complain about it because we've got the three courts in there. And um, a lot of times we're practicing at the same time as the women's team is. I mean, we're down there together trying to get guys in and out of practice as quickly as we can. We don't wait for late practices, which is really nice. 
so there's a lot of advantages to it. But yeah, game nights would be nice to have a little bit more intimate situation. Um, so it, you know, we could actually fill up uh, fill up some bleachers. Yeah, Coach, I'm glad that Wyatt brought that up because we are going to talk, you know, in a little bit about those matchups that you do have coming up this weekend because you guys are finally home. We've talked about how good you've been on the road, but I'm sure it feels good to be at home. And, you know, just a quick plug for, you know, any Moors fans who are listening to this and thinking about, you know, is it worth it to trek it out there on Friday night and watch you guys against Northland or then on Saturday against Superior? You got a 3-0 club. They're finally home. I mean, welcome them home. I don't know if you're going to fit 5,000 people in there, but let's get a little vibe and an atmosphere in there this weekend, hopefully for you guys. So Wyden and I are uh, looking forward to hopefully hearing some good reports on just that. I mentioned a little bit earlier, I wanted to circle back to this, and I'm going to do it now because you mentioned you sometimes are practicing at the same time as the women's club. And, you know, for those who don't know, we've had him on before on the podcast, Coach Tim Grove, head coach of the Minnesota Morris Women's Club. And I'd just like to hear a little bit on, you know, your guys' relationship. You mentioned going back into the past when you guys were at Mayville State where you were on the same staff together and how you both have been on this journey now for a long time at it in the UMAC as head coaches. You know, for those who don't know, Morris on the women's side has had a little bit of a tougher start after being runners-up in the UMAC last year. There's still a lot of time left. And then, you know, talking to you, and as we've summarized, you guys have had a really good start to UMAC play. Are you, you know, I'm sure you're encouraging each other as brothers, but what does that relationship look like during the season where you guys both know the demands of that job and everything that you have on your plate? What does it look like between you two in the same profession but different at the same time, out of season versus now you're in the thick of it? Are you encouraging him and saying, hey, brighter days are ahead, stick to it, and then vice versa is he with you saying, you know what? excellent start keep it up brother how, how does that relationship work between the two of you guys you know i think the the best word for it is easy i mean you hear all these horror stories of of uh coaching staff you know men's and women's or whatever especially when they're anybody sharing facilities i mean it can get kind of ugly we just we just don't have any of that it's it is very easy um for both of us having each other in the in the opposite spot um you know, sharing gyms, sharing buses, sharing hotels, the whole deal. And just to have a relationship like, and it's not just Tim and I, it's, it's his assistant, Lulu and my assistant Taylor, the four of us just get along great. Um, very supportive in everything we do. Um, we know more than anybody, they're going to get this thing turned around. They're certainly not going to end up, um, with a bad season. Cause that just never happens to them. So it's just a matter of time before they get this turned around they're going to be just fine, and um, it's it's fun for me to watch it. Um, it is it is really cool, and uh, it just doesn't happen very often where brothers are on the same, but uh, on the same staff. But it kind of goes a lot deeper than that too. I mean, I've when I started coaching at Normandale, I had to coach against one of my younger brothers. He was a player. I was a coach. We ended up meeting in a state tournament for um, junior college, so it kind of started there after Tim and I coached together at Mayville State. Um, I ended up coaching my younger brother, Nate, when I was at Mayville State, my younger brother, Josh, here at Morris. Um, my nephew, Jordan, played for me. Um, I'm currently coaching against my nephew, Thomas, who was at Mayville State playing there. Um, and then finally, I got to coach my son a few years ago. So we had four years of that, and I'm hoping that and I'm putting a shameless plug in here too for our Cougar basketball that Tim's oldest daughter 
um, becomes a Cougar and plays for him next year. So I'll get to watch her for the next four years. So it's it's a lot of involvement family-wise for us. It's not just he and I, but it's, it goes a lot deeper than that. And um, we both appreciate it more than anything. I mean, we know how rare it is and how good we have it. And we just really do appreciate the situation we've been put in here. Now, that really is incredible, Coach, when you think about it. And I can uh, guarantee there's not hardly anybody else, if anybody else, that can probably say the things you just did. So that's that's really unique. Uh, coming up this weekend, you mentioned uh, a couple of opportunities again here to get back. It's it's really going to pick up now. I mean, it's basically all just UMAC <laughs> yeah. games from this point yeah. on. So we're, we're rolling now. And you have a big opportunity in front of you. Do you feel like your players realize just what that opportunity is? I mean, this is a situation uh, that you maybe haven't been in for a few years now. Are they ready to hit this head on? And what do you need to do to be successful against your two upcoming opponents this weekend? Yeah, well, the first thing is, you know, as good as you feel at 3-0, and we can't let things slide. We can't let the little things, um, you know, start brushing things under the rug now because things are going well. So the attention to detail is going to still be there for us. That always is. I think the older players, I think the four seniors we have on our squad um, know exactly what this all means. Um, you know, some of the new guys maybe think this happens every year. I don't know. Um, and I can certainly tell them that it doesn't. Um, but I, I, we are not, we're not taking anything for granted. I, I don't think we're getting cocky or anything like that. We know there's a ton of games left. There's a ton of work to do. And if we lose any of that attention to detail, uh, it can come down crashing pretty fast. So um, I'll be relying on our senior leadership. Uh, they're really good guys. Um, very level-headed, and I think they're in this for the long haul, as long as this season is. And I, I have no doubt that, um, you know, they're going to do everything they can to keep this going. Coach, I know you're very enthusiastic, I'm sure, to be back at it at home this weekend with those matchups, but there's something unique about pulling off big wins on the road and to take you off the court a little bit if you want to put it this that way. You've been at this for more than 20 years. You've seen so many different groups of guys. But for you personally, I mean, when you have a back-to-back, let's say, with you know a North Central into Northwestern like you guys had, I'm sure there's no celebrating on a Friday night when to open up UMAC play because it's like, you know, I think of a student where they got to cram for a test that's coming up and they got to stay <laughs> up late the night before and then wake up early and get ready for it. It's like, we got another opponent. There's no time to celebrate. But when you go two for two on a weekend like that, or the only game that you have in a weekend is like you guys had against a crown team who was feeling desperate and had everything to play for, and you guys still were able to beat them and continue this run, how do you like to celebrate? Whether it's something you do on the bus ride specifically after a win or you know, I want to get this specific meal, how do you enjoy it? Because I know in the back of your head you're saying, you know what, we got to keep our nose to the grindstone, but... There are moments as a coach, as I know you've experienced in the past, where you say, all right, we, we maybe need to enjoy this a little more, and there's always more work to do, but how do you soak in a big win? Well, we have been celebrating pretty big after in the locker room right after the games, and the guys are just so excited. Um, you know, for our seniors, we'll take that Northwestern game. That was their first win there. So they were feeling really good about it. I was feeling really good about it. So we really enjoyed those moments together as a team in the locker room right after the game. Um, and we've done that with all three, three of the wins so far. They've all been on the road. Um, but, you know, when, when you leave the locker room, um, and I hope they enjoy it longer, 
But as soon as we leave the locker room, it's like, yeah, kind of on to that next game. Um, as far as the bus goes, I guess I'm old and bored. I'm just going to sit there and read my book and let the guys do whatever they're doing in the back. Um, but they, the level of, uh, I guess the word is fun. The, the level of fun they're having right now is probably something I haven't seen for these seniors in those four years. And it, and I have to, I give I give our guys a lot of credit, and the seniors were, were a big part of it when things were not going well last year. Um, and we seemed to be losing every time we stepped on the court. Uh, you know, when we, we'd go to practice the next day and you couldn't tell if we won or lost. I mean, the, the culture we had last year was just so good. And I give those guys a ton of credit for it. And the guys that graduated last year, um, there was never finger pointing. There was never a discouraging anything. Um, the guys were up for practice. Anything we tried new, they were they were game for it. Um, so it was a good situation. We talked about that at the beginning of the season. I said, that's the culture we have from last year. The only thing we have to add to that is start winning more ball games, and that's exactly what they've done. So I think the level-headedness from last year, um, along with the fact that we're having more success this year, I, I just think... The fact that we have this two different seasons back-to-back -back is going to keep us level-headed the entire year this year. and I'm, So I'm not worried about um, our guys not practicing hard or not showing up or anything like that. This will be my last question for you, Coach, and I'm curious to get your thought. We ask a lot of coaches this one. It seems like especially maybe even in the last year or two, but especially this year, UMAC basketball, there's a lot of parity both sides, not only on the men's side, but the women's side as well. And it seems like the league is becoming more and more balanced night in and night out. You know you're going to get a great game each and every time. That maybe hasn't always been the case in years past. Do you agree with that? Do you think it is as even as it's ever been? And do you also think that's good for the conference as a whole? You are 100% right. When I got here, there were... There were a handful of games where we were just you just talked them up as wins before you got on the bus or home games because it was it was that um, unlevel on the women's side that was the case even in, in much more recent history, um, but the men boy the last five or six years maybe a little bit more those wins have gone away everybody can beat anybody you see. Um, low seed stepping up and beating the big boys on a regular basis. Um, guys in the middle are just kind of beating up on each other. And I think the women's programs are kind of getting to be the same way. So yes, it's very good for um, it's very good for the UMAC. There's also guys, there was also years in the non-conference, a lot of the schools in, in the UMAC would, would not even get a W. Um, so the fact that we've been getting nice wins out of a lot of the teams in our league against the Mayak, um, teams, good teams in Iowa, good teams in Wisconsin. Um, the level of play in the UMAC has gone up. Um, the better players, you know, the top guys have gotten a little bit better than they used to be, but I think the main thing and overall is we just have a lot better, a lot more better players on each squad. Instead of two or three guys, there's, Five and six for everybody. Benches are much better than they used to be. Um, outstanding coaches on both sides in our league. And uh, they're just getting better players do it a better job when they get them. And it's it's really good for the league. Um, I, I, I should have looked up our record against, the let's say, the MIAC 
in the preseason this year, but it's UMAC got a lot of wins, and I'm very proud of the coaches and the players here, and, and they're, the, the league is getting elevated. Absolutely. We could not agree with that more, Coach, and especially when we beat the uh, MIAC, and you know whether it's yourselves or any other squad in the UMAC, we uh, especially appreciate those wins. So shout out again, like you said, you guys picking up two wins over the MIAC. I'll, I'll wrap with this one, Coach. As we mentioned a couple times, you've been at this for a long time. In your 21st season, you've seen a lot of different teams. You've seen a lot of different looks as far as the conference as a whole. But, you know, we know it can't always be easy. You're not always in a stretch like this where you have three straight games. And even when you are winning, it's still a lot of work. It's a big-time commitment. And Division Three basketball maybe doesn't get as much respect and love and a spotlight as we believe it should. All that is being said, why is it worth it? for you, for lack of a better term, to continue to show up each and every day, to go on the road, to watch Synergy, to scout, to do all this during the season, but then also your job doesn't stop in the off season. Why is it worth it, and what's the most rewarding thing for you to keep you moving forward and be one of the long-tenured coaches in this league? Because we see a lot of them on both the men's and women's side. There's young blood, like you mentioned, and newer coaches, but you know, there's a lot of ones we talk to and we just say, why... Is it worth it for you to continue with this? For you, what is the most rewarding part about being the head men's basketball coach at Minnesota Morris? Okay, that is a really good question, and there's a lot of different ways to answer that. Um, one of my favorite things to happen is is in practices. Um, let's say a freshman does something wrong. Nothing glaring, but it, you know, just not the way we want it done. And before I say anything one of the veteran players says it for me. And I just, I don't know why that is such a big kick for me, just because I, I guess, because we taught those guys and now they're teaching the next group. And there's just something about that that gives me great satisfaction, um, great joy. I just love that part. Um, and then of course, anytime like an older guy or somebody that's, gone out of our program now anytime you know they reach out or i see them on the road or whatever those are just very special moments too and it's not always just my team i mean i was sitting there after crown the other day um watching the women's game and in a couple former crown players come up we start talking and and, you know that's almost as fun as as my own guys so the relationships and i know everybody says that but it's very true um they last for a very long time um, and I really, really, really do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it, when a when a senior tells a freshman how I want things done and how we're going to do them here, I just I, that's never going to get old for me. Absolutely, that's so so good, Coach. And we do appreciate you being so generous with your time. I know it's a busy week, and you're trying to continue to prepare and keep this train moving along. So best of luck this weekend against Northland and Superior. And as I said earlier. For all the Morris fans listening and other fans, show up at Gremlins Court. I mean, make this an atmosphere this weekend. It may not be a full gym, but hopefully it's a loud gym. It's an engaged gym because the matchups deserve it, both for your brother Tim's club and then your guys' club as well. So best of luck in those games and the rest of the season. And, again, really appreciate the time, Coach. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, guys. I really appreciate this too. Thank you very much.